welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host. Kevin Paneskis. Hi, Kevin. Property Soldier here. What I thought I'd do today is a little preview reading uh, from my book, Service Accommodation Success, that should be out in March. It's written, it's with the editors, and uh, and it's now in the pipeline, so um, hopefully out in March. So one of the things that I have created in my uh, service combination training is I've created a system and it is the deals system, which is the, the plug and play process in as far as I'm concerned on how to do service accommodation. And the D stands for due diligence, uh, the E for explore. So the due diligence what type of property works, is there demand in your area, etc. And I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be doing a section on, on that due diligence, what type of property works for service accommodation and where. I'm going to be talking about that in, in this chapter of the book. So I'm going to be reading that very, very shortly. Um, explore, so exploring, getting your quotes, getting your costs, um, finding out exactly how much it's going to cost to run your business. Everything needs to go into your spreadsheet and then you go to acquisition um, lots of different acquisition strategies then there's the logistics the ongoing running of the property and then there's the scrutinize which is kpis driving down costs uh, maximizing efficiencies etc so i'm going to start reading uh, my book and uh, anyone that's got any uh, feedback and comments then uh, by all means uh, post those those of you that are tuning into the Facebook live and I will take the feedback on board so I'm gonna start reading if you want to create and run a business you have to create a logical easy to follow system for you and your team to follow if you want to teach others how to create and run their own similar business the system must be manageable and flow in chronological order the system must allow for continuous optimization and improvement which is a must for any business to reach maturity the system i've created is the deal system which provides the end-to-end steps as well as the ongoing work to do which is vital to achieve ongoing success so due diligence then i'm going to cover the first part of due diligence. So where should you choose your to-do service combination? Where is your SA gold mine area? This is a question I get asked a lot. There are many factors to consider and lots of boxes to tick, but it is simply a case of meeting as many of the criteria, which I will cover shortly as possible and not overanalyzing it. One of the most important factors, in my opinion, is finding an area where there is a demand for service accommodation, which is as close to where you live as possible. I call these SA demand points. In my opinion, most towns and cities will be fine to do SA in. It's simply a matter of finding a good spot in that town or city. The reason that I recommend doing SA in a town or city as near to where you live as possible is that most people in the early stages of their SA business will be heavily involved in the setup of each of the properties as well as meeting with cleaners. 
If you choose a location that is too far away, you're going to be spending far too much time traveling. Yes, it is possible to outsource all of the onboarding work of an essay. And if you are super confident that you have the person or people in place to do this for you, then yes, it's okay to pick an area that isn't close by. However, please be aware that circumstances change and relationships change. So don't make the decision to choose an area far away from you lightly. Once you have tried and tested, have a tried and tested team in place for your SA business, it's okay to move away and to let them, let the team do all of the physical work like meet and greet. Maintenance and acquiring new units, oh, that as well. My life and business partner Caroline and I have a full team in place in South Wales and Plymouth and other locations around the country. And we lived in South Wales when we set up our service accommodation business, but now we live in Lincolnshire. We are no longer required to be in any of our SA locations for our business to function and grow. And we're able to oversee and manage the business remotely using a phone, phone apps and a laptop. When choosing your SA goldmine area, you should always focus on demand for SA. One of the helpful indicators of demand is whether there is a hotel relatively close by. If there is, then the hotel will have done a lot of the legwork for you. Remember, I wrote earlier that about why people will choose to stay in an SA rather than a hotel. And the main reason are saving money extra facilities and privacy. So if people are going to booking.com to look for somewhere to stay in your town or city and they find a hotel in that area, they will also find your SA unit if you are listed on booking.com. When there isn't a hotel in a certain area, it doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't a short stay demand. It might just mean that despite the fact that there is demand, a hotel just hasn't been built there yet. Where there is no hotel, you simply need to assess the demand yourself and I will list some examples of this demand. This is not an exhaustive list as there are many things that will cause people to go and stay in a different town or city for a while. So you just have to use your own judgment on a specific thing you spot in an area that might create demand. What you are looking for is all year round demand to maintain profitability in winter to supplement the typical high summer months. Here are some examples. Near to a train or bus station. People may want to stay near a train or bus station if they intend to commute from your location to another. It may be that the cost of accommodation is significantly cheaper where you are, which makes the commute financially worthwhile. This is certainly the case in places like London, where accommodation can be very expensive. It's worth mentioning here that you need to provide a parking space for travellers arriving by train or that the need to provide a parking space for travellers arriving by a train or bus is less. Although your guests might hire a car on arrival, it is likely that the main train or bus station in a city is going to be in the city centre, where it can be the case that parking is very limited and many hotels and SAs do not offer parking there. Construction or building sites. Many of the trades, builders, contractors working on site will not live locally and so they will need temporary accommodation in hotels, guest houses and SAs. Remember, 
that you can be extremely appealing, appealing to groups of these contractors for the reason mentioned earlier. Reasons. When it comes to parking, you need to remember that often the vehicles that they drive are high-sided. So check the headroom of your allocated parking space if you have one and make it very clear to your guests via your listing on the OTAs that your, and your website when they book. Construction sites like this can provide all year round demand if it is a large project. Industry. This could be something like a power plant or a steelworks or a large port, um, which will have a natural rhythm of work, which will require larger amounts of specific trades at different points in the year. These trades will need a place to stay. Big business. Large businesses, companies and organisations often have mobile workforces to supply skilled staff to construction industry or directly to customers' homes. Big business is an opportunity for repeat custom as they may visit the area repeatedly for annual services, for example. Town centre. The centre of a large urban area will represent a cross-section of differing demands which might include construction, industry, big business, holiday or a combination of all of them. People visiting could therefore be for both work or leisure purposes. An airport. Yes, there's going to be good all year round demand, but please be mindful of the fact that you are likely to attract mostly one night stays from people traveling on flights and this will significantly increase your costs. The main cost involved in an SA business are the cleaning and laundry. It is much more profitable for you when your guests book for longer because for up to seven night bookings, you still only have to pay for one clean and change of linen. When near to an airport, I would encourage you to reach out to the airport staff and the airlines that operate out of that airport and offer your SA as an alternative to hotels. One of the main complaints of aircrew is that they are always living out of a suitcase and they never have a base to be able to leave things in between flights. I know lots of people who have SAs near airports who are blocked booked by groups of aircrew and or by an airline on behalf of their flight attendants. You can offer a significant discount on your nightly rate in order to secure a nice long booking and in the process make a lot more money than you would from multiple frequent short stays, which also comes with a higher admin burden. Sporting venues. As well as obvious reasons people will visit, these are also used by artists and bands. A nearby essay to a sporting ground can also be booked long-term by the respective club to provide a better and perhaps more cost-effective solution to hotels for visitors to the club. Many sporting venues also have conference centres that will attract people from out of town too. Golf clubs. The more prestigious, the better. As well as uh, the reasons uh, given for sporting venues, groups of golfers are likely to book an essay for a week when going on a golfing trip or break. If it's a championship course, then you can expect to earn serious money when the course holds a tournament. Please just be aware that I would, wouldn't would choose an essay, an area for essay, if it only had a golf course as the main attraction. I would be looking to tick other boxes as well because golf, as well as other sports, can be very seasonal with demand in the summer and not so much in the winter. Conference centres. 
The busier, the better, the larger, the better. The conference centre is extremely light to have hotels located nearby. And for the reasons given earlier, you can provide a better alternative for your guests. Tourist attractions. These can be national parks or areas of natural beauty, historical sites, as well as theme parks to give just a few examples. Hospitals. Clearly, there are going to be lots of scenarios where people are going to be admitted into hospitals for long periods of time. And often a relative or family will want to be nearby to make visiting more convenient. The other scenario to consider is the people working in the hospitals for long periods of time. We had a consultant who was working in the local hospital book one of our one bed apartments for just over five months whilst on assignment. Universities. These are regular source of bookings. There will be multiple open days and graduations that will cause families to travel in order to see their loved ones graduate and be in the photo that ends up on the mantelpiece forever. The list above is not an exhaustive one. Each area is going to have its own unique reasons for people wanting to go there for short stays. It's just a case of finding as many of these as you possibly can before making a decision. If you are straddled between two areas, then I suggest you just do your research and make a list of the different essay demand points in each location and choose the one with the most. The other thing that might sway your decision here is if a particular location has people there who would be willing to help you if required, because we all need a little help from time to time. Another thing that will help you find the SA demand points is to Google your town, city, and then click on the Wikipedia option. Here you will find lots of information about your area. And if you're like me, you will find out lots of information that you previously knew nothing about. <laughs> Often people live in an area their whole life and then know less about it than a visiting tourist finds out on one visit. By doing some research, you will discover some essay demand points that you might have overlooked otherwise. Who is your target market? Once you have established your essay demand points, you will know the type of people who are likely to be using your essays. The three main categories are white collar workers, blue collar workers and leisure guests. This will help you decide on the type of property that would be suitable for your guests. This will help you decide in what area and how to present it. One of the main considerations is the sleeping arrangements. If you are targeting the trades, then you might decide to provide single beds in the rooms instead of a double or king forward slash queen side bed. This will clearly be more appealing to groups. Trades are less likely to have an issue sharing a room as long as they have their own bed. Even with single beds, you will still get bookings from couples who ordinarily would prefer a double bed, but ultimately this preference is not as high a priority as convenience or saving money. The white collar workers who are at the executive end of the pay scale are going to expect a more expensive property in a nicer part of town. And the blue collar workers, the trades, are going to be happier with a more modest property in a less exclusive area. I need to make the point here that most people looking for, to start an essay business will overlook a street or an area if it has terraced houses, but the average price, house price there is low and the average rent is low too. 
We will look at this in more detail later when I cover Rent 2 SA. But my rule of thumb is if you feel safe there and you're happy to leave your car outside there, then your guests are likely to feel the same way too. It's worth mentioning here that guests staying for holiday for such leisure purposes or not there for work reasons will stay in both high-end and modest properties. There is no point trying to second-guess these guests and trying to cater for them. All you can do is attempt to cater for your most likely guest type, depending on the demand, research, and then welcome whoever arrives. When people book, they will see that you are offering the property as SA in a certain location with the facilities listed and the photos of all your rooms provided, and they will decide to book at the advertised price. And if they do that, then so be it. I will cover photos of your properties in a later section, but it's worth mentioning that you should show the photo of what the property looks like on the outside on your listing as well as as well so that your guests know exactly what they are booking because often a place can look stunning from the inside photos but from the outside it might be a regular terraced house so what type of property works as service combination this ranges from a basic studio apartment to a penthouse in a fancy waterside apartment block from a one-bedroom house to a large mansion. You simply match the property to your most likely guest type. And as with any business, you should always cater to demand if you want to make the most money. So what is the correct planning use class for serviced accommodation? There's a lot of confusion about the correct use class for service accommodation because there isn't a specific use class that fits all types of service accommodation units. In the UK... Class C, which is C1 to C4, covers hostels, hotels and dwelling houses and sui generis, is a classification which falls outside of typical C1 to C4. I've referred to the UK planning portal in order to explain this. C1, regular hotels plus guest houses and B&Bs. Certain SAs may fall into this category if they're letting out by the room to guests who are not in the same party or group. In the case where people in the house are checking in and checking out on different days, as opposed to large group are all arriving and leaving together as part of the same booking. It's clearly more like a hotel. C2, residential, hospitals, schools, nursing homes. Clearly not the correct use class for service accommodation. C3, dwelling house as a principal or secondary residence. You can see that it states here that C3 is for dwelling houses, including secondary residences. So if you own or operate a C3 property as SA, letting it out on a short-term basis, there is no need to change the use class as long as you are not letting it out by the room and there is no other material change of use. I like to call this whole house SA. C4. I don't intend to cover HMOs in great detail because this is a book about service accommodation. My intention is only to make the distinction from a planning point of view between SA use of a property and HMO use of a property. Houses in multiple occupation. Small shared houses occupied by between three and six unrelated individuals as their only or main residents who share basic amenities such as kitchen or bathroom. A lot of people get confused here because they think that it's okay to do SA by the room in HMO because it's already letting out by the room. But 
The main distinction is that an HMO is the occupant's only or main residence. An SA guest will not be occupying the room as their only or main residence. Something to consider is that if you are regularly accommodating overseas guests for prolonged periods of several months on a by-the-room basis, under these circumstances, it may be deemed that the property is in fact their main residence and may now be considered to be C4 HMO. As well as the planning C4 use class, there are strict rules and regulations with HMO regarding licensing and health and safety. To be clear, a C3 property used as SA on a whole house basis is not HMO because it is not anyone's only or main residence. Sui generis. If the way a property is used is too far outside one of the recognised classes, then sui generis might be the use class decided by the local planning authority for that property. If an SA operator wanted to use a property for HMO tenants as well as SA guests, he or she could ask for sui generis. I would advise against operating SA in this way because I think that you are likely to have complaints from HMO tenants and SA guests alike. Unless your property allows for good separation between guests and tenants, you would probably need a change of use to sui generis to have the proper permission in place to be allowed to do it. The other scenario where sui generis might be appropriate is if you have a larger house which is C3 and you are regularly letting it to more than six guests on a whole house basis. The planning portal defines sui generis as certain uses do not fall within any use class and are considered sui generis. Such uses include betting offices, shops, payday loan shops, theatres, larger houses in multiple occupation, hostels providing no significant element of care, scrapyards, petrol filling stations and shops selling and or displaying motor vehicles, retail warehouse, clubs, nightclubs, laundrettes, taxi businesses and casinos. Notice it says such uses include. So they are leaving room to be able to apply sui generis to anything that isn't properly identified elsewhere. Change of use class. It may be necessary to apply for a change of use when a material change of use has occurred in a property. Usually a change from one use class to another involves a planning application to the local planning authority and it will decide whether or not to grant planning permission. The local authority may become aware that a property is being used in a certain way and may feel that the current use class for the property is not appropriate. If this happens, you may be asked to stop or reduce that particular activity or apply for a change of use to the appropriate use class. But what constitutes a material change of use? In SA, this scenario is most likely to be from C3 to C1 or sui generis, where there are significant changes to the following. Parking. Many people assume that because a property starts to be used for SA that the parking demand will increase, but this is not necessarily the case. Most SAs in the UK operate between 70 and 80% occupancy, so therefore 20 to 30% of the time there is no parking requirement. Often your guests will arrive having walked from a bus or train station, or they'll arrive by taxi, and it's quite rare that guests arrive in more than one car, so you can see that an increase in parking demand is not usually the case. 
If you make it clear to your guests on your listing and after they are booked what any parking restrictions limitations are, then there should not be a problem regarding parking. People are very accustomed now to finding the nearest car park or finding the nearest on-street parking space and walking back to the SA. The thing to remember is that if the property was not being used as SA, then a normal household today often has more than one car and the property is occupied 95 to 100% of the time. Patterns of arrival and departure. There is no reason why your guests should come and go from the property any differently than normal people. And remember, there is no one using the property for 20 to 30% of the time. If there was a normal household using the property, the occupants might be working irregular shifts and that could be a lot more disrupted for their neighbours. Number of people. In my opinion, this is going to be the main reason that is most likely to cause neighbours to complain. As long as you have some control measures in place, um, you should not have too many people in your SA property. The number of people you're allowed to book will depend on the size of the property and the number of bedrooms and bathrooms. I would recommend that you only advertise for a maximum of five people if there is only one bathroom. A two-bedroom property could sleep six at a push if the bedrooms are big enough for two. There is room in, uh, for a, a double-sized sofa bed and there are at least two bathrooms. If you cram too many people into a property, you're likely to get bad reviews, which will cost you financially, so it's really not worth doing. Conversely, even if you have a property that can sleep five or six, your average number of guests will probably be below that, and you will be empty 20 to 30% of the time. Even with a two-bed property, when booked, you will often only have one person in each bedroom but remember to charge an extra person per night rate on an SA for the additional occupancy. More on extra person per night rates later. Over-occupancy is when guests understate the number of guests staying at the SA at the point of booking to avoid additional person per night charges. The impact on the business is additional cleaning and laundry somewhere and tear, but mainly a loss of revenue. To deter over-occupancy, some SA operators inform their guests that for their safety, there are external cameras at the property. Some people have a camera facing outwards on the front door. If there was a back door, you would need the same. That is a motion activ activated and can record the comings and goings at the property. If you have a large property which only gets booked by a small number of people, you can restrict access to a bedroom that isn't needed using an internal lock or combination lock, which will reduce the cleaning and laundry requirement. If it is clear to someone booking that you are likely to be monitoring the number of people staying, then they are unlikely to risk being asked to leave the property uh, and not get a refund because they broke the terms and conditions of the booking. Having said all this, in my experience, people trying to over-occupy is rare. And remember, a normal household may have a large number of people living at a property, so it is worth putting this into proper context. Frequency of party type activity. This is something that gets highlighted in the press because everyone loves to read about a mass Airbnb party. A party at our properties is a rare occurrence, probably because we have some measures in place as a deterrent. We make it very clear in our terms and conditions that parties are not allowed 
And if ever there is a booking from, say, a group of young women or men that makes a, a party scenario more likely, we reinforce and highlight the rules and make it clear that we will be notified by neighbours of a party. And if this happens, they will be asked to leave. If you take a deposit in case of damages, it also makes a party less likely. If your property is close by to nightlife in your town, you should seriously consider putting a two or even three night minimum booking limitation to the property. We have two night minimum stays across all of our properties in order to reduce the likelihood of a party and also because the cleaning and laundry costs make one night stays a lot less profitable. Most people who are looking to have a party in an essay will look for a property that allows one night stays first and will not uh, want to pay a deposit and they won't want to see strict terms and conditions relating to parties. Remember, most of your guests who don't intend having a party will not mind this. In fact, they will welcome it. We often have people cancel their booking when they read our terms and conditions and we are very happy when this happens for all of the reasons mentioned above. When somebody does cancel their booking, it frees you up for someone else to book who is happy with your terms and conditions. Last one, refuse and recycling. A little common sense and some proper monitoring and controls will prevent any issues occurring. There is no reason that your guests should create more rubbish than a regular household. But the fact is that a regular household is much more able and willing to adhere to the local rules regarding recycling and rubbish collection days and routines. If your property is in an apartment block, then there is less likely to be an issue here because there is usually a communal bin area and your cleaners can simply put the rubbish there when they clean. And the bin collection will happen as normal. An essay house needs much more attention because more often than not, the residents in the street or area put the bins out at particular times and days. And often the local recycling rules need to be adhered to. Otherwise, the bin men won't collect the rubbish. Sometimes your cleaners will be prepared to take the rubbish away as part of the cleaning cost. But make sure you make this clear when you get your cleaning quote. Otherwise, they'll be reluctant to cover this extra task for the same money. When the council provide wheelie bins, you can ask your guests or cleaners to place the rubbish in those. If there are no bins and the residents put black bags out the night before a collection or in the morning, we provide a large external plastic bin. I recommend that you get one that has the lid attached, otherwise it will blow away in the wind uh, when not securely secured properly. If the guests are staying for more than a couple of days, then they are likely to want to place rubbish outside to prevent the smell buildup from food or perhaps a nappy waste. And if there is a bin outside, this can be done with no need to worry about attracting animals, including birds that will tear open uh, the bags to get at food. As you can imagine, if the rubbish management isn't properly dealt with, it could lead to complaints from neighbours to the local council. But with a little forethought and planning, you will be able to avoid that. So you can see that... With a property run as SA, there is no need for a material change of use to take place. And if somebody from your local planning authority suggests to you that there is, you should ask for the evidence or justification to support that. It might be that a particular neighbour is making regular complaints, but you could easily show using your channel manager and merchant account these topics covered in a later section and cleaning schedule exactly how many people have stayed and when. And if there genuinely isn't an increase or problem with the categories listed, you will be able to prove it. I'm going to finish off there. 
Hopefully you uh, found that interesting. Uh, give me a like if you did. Write in the comments section for any feedback that you have got from me. I'm going to finish this episode uh, as I always do and say here's to your success in service accommodation. And remember, your future needs you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Why not also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn more about property and serviced accommodation.